Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. So we're going um, to dig in. We're going to have a look at Peter in the Bible, one of the disciples, um, we're going to sort of track with him over a couple of months of his life and hopefully as we go, we're going to pull some things out that might land and that might resonate with us today. But I guess I should introduce myself first. I'm Luke. Um, hello. How are you? Good. Good. There's some smiles, so that's nice. Um, I'll pray and then we'll start. That, that's, let's do that. All right. Father God, thank you that um, we're here together tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and that it is your intention that we would know you and make you known. And Lord, I pray that tonight as we read your word, as we meditate on uh, the things of you, that you would start to change us, that you would change our hearts, you would change our minds, and that you would be making us more like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, New Year. So has anyone, hands up, ever made a New Year's resolution? I was hoping, so. oh, cool, some people have. That's good. That helps. I can keep going. Um, I think even if you didn't put your hand up, you probably in some way think about the year ahead and think about what you might like to see and you think about what you will do. Um, and normally, most of us, think about all the good things that are going to happen and we plan to do wonderful things and maybe um, you're planning to study or you're planning to get fit or, or anything like that. I did a bit of research about New Year's resolutions and generally they fall into three categories. Normally people are interested in their physical health so they want to lose weight, get fit, eat better, stop smoking, that kind of thing. Uh, the second one is self-improvement. So people want to study or do a course or get a promotion or read more books uh, or, or earn more money or that sort of thing. And the third one is uh, around their psychological health. So getting mentally healthy. They're kind of the three things that generally people set out for the year ahead. They think, I'm going to do some of those things. Um, baby boomers. And there's a few of you here actually tonight generally want to lose more weight, but this is not targeted, but it's just the thing. But uh, they place less importance on saving money, probably because houses costed like, what, like 50 bucks <laughs> in the 70s or something? I don't know. Uh, millennials, so that's me and my cohort. Uh, we are the most confident when we make resolutions. Um, and the least likely to succeed. <laughs> so that's good. And then Gen Z, so that's if you are 26 or younger, um, are most likely to create some kind of resolution about finding the one or falling in love or something like that. That's generally what they're after. <laughs> So some people, you might be starting this year and you might be um, thinking about any of those things or you might be thinking about other things. You might be thinking, actually, I've got, I know I've got some issues. Maybe I've got some things that I'm addicted to that I shouldn't be. Um, and maybe this year you're determined 
to break some cycles. Maybe you want to stop drinking or doing drugs or using porn or something like that. Maybe some of you are hoping you'll get into shape this year. Maybe some of you uh, are really spiritual and you want to do heaps well with like Bible reading and praying and getting on really well with God and all those things are admirable. But the chances are you're probably like me and you've started a lot of things in January that you haven't finished. Anyone relate to that? You should. Because based on my research, (laughs) only about five-ish percent of people will finish what they start at the start of a year. It's not too many. Um, The problem, like, I always, I think my problem is I normally, I aim much too high. And I'm unrealistic and I don't have a good perception of my discipline or my ability to do things. And I go, I'll do X, Y, Z. You know, I will get fit and run a marathon. Um, And then I go for a jog and my lungs hurt. And I'm like, ah, 2024, I'll do it then. But the problem we have generally is that no matter what our intentions are, our actions don't tend to line up with our hopes. Because generally we think we can do more than we can. And we promise ourselves or we promise others or we promise God we're going to do something. And then when we don't do that thing, we get down and upset and we fall into a place of pity and then we just don't do anything. And the problem that we have is this. Every time a new year changes, we don't. So when I was, you know, I'm showing my age, but... People always used to say, like, new year, new me. Well, it's new year, same me. That's one. That's for you, Tom. So today we're going to look at the disciple Peter. Um, we're, going to have a, we're going to dig into the Bible. Uh, we're going to start with the book of Mark. Um, like Stephen, I'm going to be in the English Standard Version. So if you're reading along, that's the version we're using. So if you're looking and your words aren't exactly the same, now you know. Um, And there's a couple of things I wanted to highlight before we get into it. So Peter is one of the disciples, but he wasn't always called Peter. He was called Simon. And a few times in some of the passages that we're going to read, he gets called Simon. And a few times he gets called Peter. And that's important. So Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. Now, Simon means uh, to hear, to listen. And Peter means rock or stone. Um, and like the way that the Hebrew kind of word works is a rock is, is a rock. You know what a rock is. Uh, it's just an unformed rock. But a stone is when that rock has been taken and it's been worked and it's been chiseled and it's been shaped and then it's fit for a purpose. So we're kind of going to hold those uh, definitions and those names in mind as we kind of go through. All right. We're going to start in the book of Mark. So Mark chapter 14, 26 to 31. So Stephen's read it, so I'll I'll summarize. So the disciples with, with Jesus, this is just before Easter. So this is just before Jesus is about to be crucified. Um, they're in worship. They've prayed together. They've sung together. They've had the first communion. And they're all very passionate. And they love Jesus and they've stuck with him through all the really amazing things he did. And they've stuck with him when no one else did as well. But it's kind of coming to this 
crunch point. Um, and so Jesus tells them, he says, I'm going, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to fulfill what I'm here to do. And all of you are going to fall away. And Peter says that he won't. He insists that he won't. He says that I'll be faithful even unto death. And Peter, I think, I relate very, very much with Peter because he thinks after he speaks. So he says, you know, he just kind of flies off the handle and just says, Lord, I'm going to go with you to death. Um, and Jesus is like, no, you're not. And he's like, yes, I will. Um, but he doesn't. Spoiler. But So I'm a bit of a Peter at home. <laughs> Sorry, Jazz. We have a, a recurring theme where Jasmine will present an idea. So, for example, she might say, oh, Luke, about the windows. And I'll have jumped up and been like, all right, yep, we'll... You know, I'll get the bucket, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll clean them. And she's like, oh, I just wanted you to, like, open it. So I kind of get ahead of, ahead of things. Uh, and it's very helpful in our discussions, it's not. But Peter did what we all do. He kind of, um, he gets it wrong. He has a higher opinion, a higher opinion of himself um, than what he really is and also a higher opinion of himself than others. You know, he says, even though they all fall away, even though everyone else might abandon you, Jesus... I will not. And perception is a really interesting thing. Like I think in our, our society, in our culture, being self-aware is highly valued. Knowing ourselves is seen as kind of a key ingredient to a successful life. And there are heaps of tests you can do to kind of find out about yourself. You can do uh, Myers-Briggs personality type, or you could do an Enneagram, or you could do... Uh, I did one this this week. It was like a strengths one. You can do you can find out what animal you are. You can do a BuzzFeed quiz. It's but basically you can do all these things to try and work out who you are. Um, but the problem with all of those kind of things is they rely on you, your opinion of yourself to to answer the questions, which means that you kind of get what you give. And if you think you're something that you're not, then the test will just confirm your bias, and and on you go. Um, but anyway, I love those quizzes and personality tests. I like really enjoy doing them. Um, this week I found out I'm Belle, if I'm a Disney princess. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, well, I, I don't know, but I didn't expect Belle. I forgot she was a thing. Um, but I found out I was Aragorn, obviously, in Lord of the Rings. And the type of pizza I am is cheesy garlic. <laughs> So, yeah, it's all very, you know, now I'm really self-aware. So, but I think we do these things and because we, we, we try to find out who we are and we want to know who we are and we want to be able to um, work out what our place is in all of this, in the world. And um, I think, though, we're less sure than ever. I think people as a whole are less sure deep down of who they really are. And I think... The church, in some ways, is less sure of who it's supposed to be. And that's a problem. So I've been a teacher, a high school teacher, for the last five years. And thank you to all of my students that came tonight. That's really lovely. Um, but one of the things that I always used to hear teachers say to students and probably parents say to their children and they probably didn't mean harm but there's this thing that we say and we say follow your heart 
and it's this kind of sec- it's a very humanistic idea that's it cr- it's crept into the church as well and it's this assumption that i know what's best for me that i am the source of moral goodness and fortitude to do what is required and the problem with that is that we're not and it's a really unbiblical idea in jeremiah 17 it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it that's what our hearts are deceitful and sick and that's why david cries out in psalm 51 creating me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me and so that's the key a new heart a newness of mind and spirit that comes from knowing Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit. So our perception of ourselves, whether overly high or overly low, as a Christian should be leveling out to become a more realistic version of who we are. And we can start to kind of wrestle with that tension of our imperfection and we can say that, yes, on the one hand, I am deceitful, I am not very good, I'm flawed, I'm faulty, I'm sinful. But on the other hand, by the power of Christ in me, I'm redeemed, I'm restored, I'm more than a conqueror, I'm made whole, I'm new, I'm set apart, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm chosen by God. And we live in the tension of that. But it's important that we know that. And I think Peter had a bit of a perception problem at that time. He thought he was capable of much. He thought, yes, God, I will go to death with you. But then when the rubber hit the road, he, he runs away. He promised much, but he delivered little. He said, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Have you ever committed to something and not done it? Have you ever clicked going, like on a Facebook event, and then ghosted your grandma's birthday party? <laughs> or an engagement party or something like that? Of course you have. We'll have. We'll do it. Because we're dodgy. <laughs> Jesus says to Peter and the disciples that he's going to die. He says he's going to be raised up. And Peter's response to this is he won't fall away, that he'll go to death. He promises much, but ultimately he can't deliver it. And what that looks like sometimes for us today is, and this is a me thing again, is I always say, like, oh, I'll, do the, I'll do it tomorrow. And I'll put it off. Will I weed the garden? I'll do it tomorrow. If anyone's seen my garden, you know that I have not. Will I finish a book I started instead of sitting on my phone for the next three hours? Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Will I reach out to a friend that I know is struggling and support them and encourage them and build them up? Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow when it suits me, when it's convenient. Because we think we'll do these things. We think we're capable of much, but ultimately we promise much and we deliver little. So we'll pick up the story in Luke chapter 22. So it says, Then they... Being, being the soldiers and the high priest, seized him, being Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, certainly this man also was with him. 
for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oh, imagine how Peter would have felt in that moment. I won't deny you. I'll go with you to death. A girl says, weren't you with him? No, didn't know him. The rooster crows and the Lord looks at him. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Have you ever like been in a situation where things just spiral out of control and you kind of, you just lose any ability or kind of, you just can't get it back? Like you've said something dumb and you can see the hurt on someone's face or you've, um, I don't know, forgot to put your handbrake on and a car's just rolling down the hill and you just, ah. It's like Peter knows what's happened. There's nothing he can do about it. He would have felt, oh, awful. So what happens here is all the disciples go back to Galilee, perhaps because it's because Jesus told them to wait for him there, or maybe it's because they didn't know what else to do and they used to live there and, and fish there, so they went back there. But either way, they go back there. And as the story goes, Jesus is put on the cross, but three days later, he is raised from the dead. And then he goes in various different scenarios to see his disciples and reveal himself to them. And in this case, he goes out to Galilee to the sea to see them. And there, the disciples are fishing. They're out on the boat. They see him from a distance. Peter gets excited, takes his clothes off, jumps in the water, swims back to shore to see Jesus. And the rest of the disciples kind of just roll on the boat back. Um, and they have breakfast together. And then after they have they finish breakfast, Jesus and Peter kind of have a chat. And I like, like, I imagine that Peter knew this was coming, this conversation. And I imagine he was probably not expecting it to go very well. Because Jesus has said to him, you know, you're going to be a rock. I'm going to build my church on your confession. Um, and Peter had said, yep, I'm going to follow you to death. And then he didn't. And so I imagine Peter's probably pretty nervous at this point. But he knows it's coming because he knows that Jesus follows through. And so they finish breakfast and Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And then he says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Jesus asks Peter three times whether he loves him. So three confessions of love for three denials. And the words that Jesus uses here are really interesting. And they remind Peter both of the denial, but also of the purpose. This isn't like a telling off. This is the rebuke of a Lord who loves him and wants the best for him and wants to see Peter walk in everything that he's supposed to. So the first time he asks Simon, do you love me more than these? Jesus uses Peter's former name, Simon. He doesn't call him Peter. And I think he's kind of 
reminding Peter that while he's being given this purpose and this name of rock, of strength, that he did not, he wasn't that yet. He also loves him if his love, he also asks him, sorry, if his love is greater than that of the others. And if you remember back to before the crucifixion, Peter had said that even if the others fall away, I will not. So he says, do you love me more than these? Now, in our modern translations, we miss a bit of what is going on here as well. So there's, there's, a, there's a few different words for love in this passage. So we'll kind of pull them out, and then you'll kind of really see what Jesus is doing here. And it's, it's really cool. So when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, he uses the, uh, this word agape, which means essentially, Peter, do you love me unconditionally, fully, selflessly, more than anything? And Peter responds by saying, you know that I love you. And the word he uses, filet, which is a word for like friendship. And so this happens twice. And then the third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses that word phileo. So this is how we could read this interaction. We could say, Simon, this is Jesus talking, do you love me unconditionally more than everyone else? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I am your friend. The next time, Simon, do you love me with everything that you've got? Yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. The third time, Simon, are you my friend? Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. So I think Peter here, he's kind of recognized he can't do what he said he was, could do. He can't follow Jesus to death. He can't give up his whole life. He can't do all of that that he thought he could. He offers what he has. He realizes that at this point, he doesn't love Jesus unconditionally, that all he can offer is friendship. So, yeah, we're friends. But Jesus meets him there. You don't have to be some super spiritual Christian powerhouse you don't have to feel like you're on fire for God all the time you don't have to pretend with Jesus to be anything other than what you are sometimes empty hands is all we have but given to God that's enough Jesus meets him right where he is so if tonight you're in the middle of feeling low if you're feeling like you are in a valley that you will never get out of, if you feel aimless and purposeless, or you don't even know if God's real or for you or anything, or if you're feeling amazing and you're rested and feeling just raring to go, Jesus meets you where you're at. He doesn't need you to pretend. He doesn't need you to perform. He meets you where you are. And I think because Peter just says, this is all I've got, Jesus reinstates him. He says, feed my sheep. You're going to be a shepherd of the flock. You're going to pass the church. You're going to lead people. You're going to do Peter. You are going to do what Peter is going to do. Because Peter demonstrates a repentant heart. He doesn't promise anything. He doesn't say he's anything that he's not. He just says, this is what I am. I think there's times sometimes where we all need to stop 
and we need to take stock and we need to look at the way we act and we speak and we handle ourselves. We need to be real with ourselves and real with God and we need to do what Peter did, which is, which is change his mind, which is repent, which is actually go, God, I've said I'm this, I've done this, I've tried to do this, but it wasn't your way and I need to change. So Peter now, in the story, he's in this place of humility. His strength and his will let him down. But he's aligning now to the will of Christ. And what comes next is my favorite part of the story. So in Acts 1, um, it says, uh, and this is kind of like some of the last stuff Jesus says to his disciples. So while staying with them, he, that's Jesus, orders them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skipping ahead to Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together, this is the disciples, all in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now skipping down to verse 22, Peter stands up and he says this to the crowd. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Head to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's the gospel. But something's changed here because Peter, not that long before, in the same city, said he didn't know Jesus. And now he's standing up and saying, Jesus is Lord. He is the Christ. He will send the Holy Spirit. You need to know who he is. So there's a big shift. So he waited. Jesus said, wait. And they go and they wait. We can see, and if you, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see about Peter that he's not particularly patient. Most of the time, he acts quickly. He's the first one to bring a sword to a worship service. He's the first one to, uh, to make promises, to jump out of boats. He's the first one to do all of those things. And yet, when now he's been humbled, Jesus has said, wait, and he waits. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do. So what's this all mean? What's this about? Why, why are we talking about this today? Well, I think all of us have assumptions about who we are. And we all have assumptions about what this year is for us, what it's going to hold, what we're going to do. 
And I suspect that most of us, like Peter, have a propensity to say we'll do things and act in a way that demonstrates perhaps an unrealistic view of what we're actually here to do. Because like Peter, we, we are the denier, we are the quick-tempered, we are the boastful. And like Peter, we need to see ourselves the way we really are, fallen, weak, but restored, made strong in Christ. The moment we see ourselves as better than others, we're going to run into trouble. So this year, for 2023, I don't know if you've already decided what you're going to do. Maybe some of you never think ahead and you just kind of flow, which I don't understand, but that's okay. (laughs) But I think tonight we have a real opportunity on the first Sunday night that we're meeting this year to stop and to do what the disciples did and wait and trust that Jesus by the Holy Spirit will show us what to do. And it's a dangerous prayer or a dangerous posture to take to say, God, what do you want for my life? I don't have much to give, but what I do, can you do something with it? It's a dangerous prayer because he might, he might take you up on that. And he might take you places you never thought you'd go. Or he might, like he did to Peter, get you to stand up in the same city, in the same place where you denied to declare who Jesus is. So whatever this year is for you, whatever your intentions are now, what I want to do is just take some time. And Elliot's going to jump up and play some guitar for us. But just take some time to just stop. Even if you've made plans, give those plans to God. And just ask Jesus, you know, what would you have me do? Because we come, you know, we come into our life and our idea, and, you know, we have all these ideas about, you know, who we are and what we want to do. But really, deep down, we, we, we all kind of know we're all just kind of making it up as we go. But Jesus knows. He has a plan. And his plan is good. doesn't mean things will always be good, but ultimately things are for good. And so tonight, take that moment. Trust that Jesus will meet you where you are with what you need. I believe there's people here, um, and I've shared this a bit with the team. There's some people here tonight that just you haven't felt or experienced any kind of joy for a very long time. And you feel like, what's a good way to put it? You're not seeing in color. You know, one of the things that the Bible says that will come from the Holy Spirit is joy. And that's not happiness. It's not like, oh, I feel happy because I'm eating a nice piece of cake. No, it's joy that says, God is good. Heaven is my home. Life sucks, but God is with me. And I think it's just in the last few weeks as I've been preparing to to be here with you tonight, that that's just that word. That's just joy. Because God wants you to enjoy 
the things he has given you to do in life. And there will be times where you'll feel like a martyr and things will suck. But they are seasons, they're valleys that you will go through that you won't stay in. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. And so tonight, if you're, if that's like, oh, yep, okay, he's read my mail. If that joy, if you're like, I have not felt that for a very long time, I believe God wants to give that to you. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that grows in you as you know Jesus. Some of you are really, you're heavy. God wants to bring a lightness to you. It's not all doom and gloom. It can feel like it is and it can look like it is. If you look at what the world is saying, yes, everything's terrible and we're all going to die. But if you hear what God is saying, He has won. He has won. He has won the battle for your soul and things ultimately are good. He is working things together for the good of those who love Him. God is for you. He loves you. He sees you. He knows your pain. He understands it. You might not. But he's with you in it. And so tonight, let's just let's just wait on God and hear what is he saying to you. I fully believe with everything within me that God always wants his people to know him. That he always wants you to know his voice. That you would know him and that you would make him known. So just wait on God and it maybe tonight you might walk away going, oh, I don't know, I got nothing. Then continue to wait and wait and wait and wait. I'm going to keep, I'll pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you sent your son that we would have life that we wouldn't have to walk in darkness anymore. That even though we fail, that you don't. And you meet us there and you fill us up and you give us what we need. So Lord, I just pray as we wait on you now with our hearts open. Lord, that you would meet us where we're at and that we would pray dangerous prayers. God, show me what to do. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.